1: This is a crowd podcast. This episode is sponsored by Wee Jimmy, James Napier. To be more like James, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Marler Show
0: and grow the show today. Joe Marler is a big hearted man and he's got a podcast plan. It's the Joe Marler Show. It's the Joe Marla Show,
1: oh, oh, oh. Hello and welcome. I'm Joe Marla and this is Tom Fordyce. Hi, Joe. No, hang on, let me do that again. Hello and welcome. I'm Joe Marla and this is Tom Fordyce. (laughs) I am putting on this Dutch accent because I'm still in sex mode. And the Dutch like sex. And after last week's sex episode with the sex worker, I can't stop saying sex.
0: (laughs) Joe, uh, I will also do a Dutch accent because you've started it. I have a question for you. It's burning on my lips. Uh, In the last week, since you heard about docking, how many conversations have you had with friends, teammates, family members, members of the public about docking? I genuinely thought you were going to go, how many times have you attempted docking this week? I changed my question, Joe. How many times have you attempted docking? <laughs>
1: no, attempts like at, no attempts at docking this week, I'm afraid. Um, but I have had several questions and queries about Reed on, on the episode last week. Also, a lot of my teammates, actually, funnily enough, have... I think there might be a, have been a spike in listeners... Um, in
0: last week's
1: one mainly from the Guildford Southwest London area
0: <laughs> well if the reed version of docking is too much for you and you'd like an entry level uh, docking why not try docking your head with the Joe <laughs> <Shopping? For laughs> <sake>! Marsh
1: <Yeah! laughs> Why fuck's sake I was like where's he where's he going where are you going with that <laughs> why don't do- you try docking your head with buying a bobble <laughs> hat from the shop fuck's sake
0: it won't be the same experience, but you will.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Docked your head with a bubble
0: hat. But unlike the other docking, you could be within. <laughs> you could be <laughs> with a chance to win a signed England shirt.
1: <laughs> Look, if you if you're listening still, and you've you've bought a bubble hat from the shop at joemarla.co.uk forward slash shop, <laughs> and then you've put on that hat you know, like normal people do, they wear it when it's cold or when they just want to cover their crap hair or pretend that your head is actually a penis (laughs) entering another penis, also known as docking, you will be entered into a prize draw where you have the opportunity to win a signed England rugby jersey. So if you want to be entered into that... Buy a bubble hat. You don't have to dock it. <laughs> At forward slash shop. Is that better, Tom? That was actually really, really good. Thanks. You're, you just need to calm down. That docking's got, got you all worked up again. If you
0: have a guest? Yeah, please.
1: <laughs> Our guest today has won the Tour. Do, you, do I say that in French accent or no? I would, yeah. Okay. Our guest today has won the Tour de France. He's also got an Olympic gold medal. He's a fuck off. No, not you. Don't fuck off. <laughs> Gee, don't fuck off. Right. <laughs> I told you it was worse. Oh. Yeah. Our guest today has won the Trois de France. He's also got Olympic gold medals. His own cycling podcast called the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. So, a big hello to Geraint Thomas.
2: Hello. How are you doing? Thanks for having me.
1: Horé boy, how you doing? Prananda.
2: Very well, thank you. How are you? (laughs) All
1: good, (laughs) Just went more Welsh, didn't he? What are you two now, then? Niddlewing, Govim, Bowerd, (laughs) Mithis. (laughs) Cardiff?
2: Oh, thanks for having me.
1: Right, this is going to be an awkward one, isn't it? Because you two are obviously pals. I only know him from the telly and from being a very, very, very proud Welsh rugby supporter. It's not
0: looking good. You've never had any issues with Welsh (laughs) public sports, have you? It's not looking good,
1: mate. I I thought we'd gone past these stitch-ups from you. You know that time you did me with your sister?
0: (laughs) Brief phrase. Oh, yeah, fair. Uh,
1: You know that time you stitched me up with your sister? Yes. This kind of feels like you might be doing that again.
0: It's also a bit weird for me because this feels like when you've got uh, a mate and you think they're going to get on really well with another mate they haven't met and then you go to the pub and you're suddenly thinking you should get on are you going to get on if you don't get on is it my fault
1: yeah it's always your fault
0: i get on with everyone it's fine it's all always your fault
1: tom especially seeing as what is this you've brought in
0: i got a free bottle of prosecco at the hotel i stayed at so i turned up my hotel last night at half 10 and there was some promotion that i was unaware of which meant that you got a free bottle of prosecco so they said when would you like us to send up the bottle of prosecco in a bucket of ice no, it's like, well, I'm going to be going to bed in about five minutes, so can I can have it in the morning? <laughs> Ridiculous.
1: So here it is. Well, thank you ever so much. Right, so he's Welsh, so he doesn't like me, but he likes you. But he only likes you because you do the podcast with him and you spend, I'd say, 70% of your time in Wales anyway, don't you? You love going to Wales all the time.
0: Don't mind a bit of Wales, yeah. No, I love Wales. I love Snowdonia. That's in Wales, yeah? Mm. Yeah, good. Do you still get abuse from Welsh people, by the way?
1: I've tried building some bridges with some Welshies.
0: Does it help when you call them well sheets?
1: Fucking hell, you're doing it on purpose. I know you are. <laughs> right, what do you weigh then, Gary? Uh, at the minute, 73 kilos. 73 kilos? How tall are you? Uh, 183 centimetres. <laughs> six foot-ish. Fucking hell, 73 kilos for a six foot man. That That's quite light, no?
2: Yeah, I'm overweight at the minute, though. Race weight is normally around 68, 69 for the tour. Mate, fighting weight. Yeah,
1: I can't fathom that really because I'm 183 kilo. 183 kilos. now. you? I'm 183 centimeters and I'm 127 kilos. Have you always been this light? I'd say naturally around
2: sort
0: of 73, 74.
1: Very lean. Can you can you picture him like fat?
0: Like, but there was a period after going on the Tour de France where he enjoyed it properly, <laughs> and <laughs> then he became normal size by most people's weight schedules but for g you did look you yeah you look like (laughs) you look like you've been slightly inflated
2: yeah so i had to do a crit it's like a like a show race basically it wasn't like a serious thing and it was in in asia somewhere and it was the end of october i had about nearly two months off the bike just you know just won the tour so i had a good time and i had to put my kit on obviously to do this race and i had to put the yellow jersey on that i'd won in the tour so i was 68 kilos when i first wore it i was about 78 then (laughs) after the parties and looked like the Michelin man it was horrible when I saw some pictures after I was like holy shit man but a
1: 78 kilo Michelin man when was the last time you were
0: 78 kilos Uh,
1: I was nine nine months old (laughs) yep nine months old (laughs) that must be quite hard The, the whole weight view is clearly important because with cycling I've always heard that it's all about the one percenters and marginal gains and and weight being pretty important in terms of working out speed times something, times velocity. Power to weight. Visco- viscosity. Viscosity. So speed times viscosity <laughs> equals... Success. <laughs> yellow <laughs> equals yellow. Anyway, any of that. It must be quite... Is that the hardest part, trying to keep that weight off when you just want to eat as much as you want?
2: Yeah, 100%. And that's what's really annoying when I speak to rugby players and they struggle to keep it on.
1: Who the fuck has that issue? <laughs>
2: <laughs> All the Welsh do. All the Welsh seem to. I don't know about the English boys, to be fair. I'm not getting tribal or anything, don't um, It is the hardest bit, for sure. Yeah, it's not the nicest. It's a grind. It's 24-7. You're always thinking about it. You're always sort of denying yourself stuff. But then the outcome's worth it, you know? And you only have to do it, for me, two, three more years. So,
0: And then I can just do whatever I want when I retire, can't I? So Here's the weird thing, Joe. So when you are an elite cyclist at the Tour de France... Despite the fact you're getting skinnier by the day, you get to eat more per day than I reckon you have ever eaten in a day. Really? In the morning, we'll
2: have an omelette, only three eggs, three egg omelette. But then we'd have about 700 grams of rice, which is, I don't know, on a plate, that's a big mound of rice, you know?
1: That's a fucking load of rice.
2: Oh, yeah, it's a ridiculous amount, yeah. And then we're on our bikes for maybe five hours, and we're doing about 5,000 calories, burning 5,000 calories in that time. Plus, you know, just living, you burn, what is it, 2,000 average for a man or two and a half or something? And then, yeah, on the bike, we're eating every 20 minutes, just like a gel or a little rice cake or whatever. Afterwards, protein shake, more rice, more protein in um, like chicken or fish or whatever. You have that on the bus on the way back to the hotel. You have a massage. Dinner, same again, big mound of rice um, with some fish or chicken. We don't have any veg, we cut out all the fiber because it's just extra weight in your gut.
1: You're an elite athlete that doesn't eat veg.
2: Yeah, only on specific like periods during the tour. So maybe the first few days you might have a bit of veg, go wild. But then as soon as you hit the <laughs> mountains, a few days before the mountains and during the mountains, we cut it all out because basically all that fiber in your gut can weigh 500 grams
0: up to a kilo depends how full of shit you are. That's where you've been going wrong, Joe. It's just too much veg. It's just too much weight so in your gut. So what you're
1: saying, I've got to eat more rice and less veg. Just lose the veg. No veg in my diet. Mm. Just a beige diet. Okay. I'm I'm absolutely <laughs> fine
0: with that. It's this weird thing, Joe, right? If you cover the Tour de France, there will generally be a press conference for each of the teams before they begin the race. And let's say, like in my old job, you'd come from covering other sports. You'd go into this press conference and you see the riders sitting at the top table and they'd all appear to have massive ears and massive noses. And then you'd find yourself thinking, well, why have they all got massive ears and massive noses? And then you'd realise they haven't actually got massive ears and massive noses. But everything else on their faces, all the fat's gone. Everything else has just shrunk away. And then as the race carries on, the riders who look like they're big when you're watching it on TV... When you see them in the flesh, they are ludicrously skinny, and the ones who look skinny are—they're like jockeys, aren't they, G? So someone like your, your teammate Luke Rowe, who on a bike is big, isn't he?
2: Yeah, for sure. He's one of the biggest guys.
0: If you met Luke Rowe in the pub and you didn't know what he did, you'd think, "Who's
1: this skinny bloke?"
2: Yeah, for sure. And guys like Ian Stanard, who I grew up racing with, they're the Joe Marler of the cycling
1: world. You know, fat, annoying, and really good at sledging. Is there any sledging? In, is there any sledging in cycling? Is there any need for sledging in cycling?
0: Mark Cavendish doesn't mind a little bit of sledging, does he? Uh, No, he certainly doesn't. Even with his own teammates, actually,
1: which
2: I kind of like. You know, I've known him since I grew up with him since we were, like, 12. And he's always been the same. He's always been loud and told you what he thinks. And he's adamant that he's right every single time. (laughs) You
1: you, you say teammates there. Off the top of my head, I've got these words. Domestique, domestic, domestics. Nice. You're not a domestique, are you? no did you ever no. were you ever a domestique is it one of those that like you start in the academy in rugby you start in the academy you work your way up work your way up until you're actually in the first team and then you plan week in week out is that how you how it works or
2: yeah pretty much you know everyone has their own positions like like in rugby almost you know like Luke Rowe we've mentioned he does the early job on the flat then you have your mid-mountain guys and then you have your your high mountain support, so to speak, and then you have your leader. It's the weird thing, and the one thing everyone does just struggle to understand when they first sort of new to the sport, really. Like my nan, my wife's nan, she was always like, "Why did you stop with 200 meters to go? Like you, you were winning, and then you let that Mark Cavendish guy pass you. Like you do it every time. Just keep going." That's when we were in the same team. I, he wasn't just riding for someone else then.
0: Oh right,
1: fucking hell! I was like, but, <laughs> she's got a point there. <laughs>
2: yeah, but. Yeah, it's just that everyone has their own role in that team to help their leader. So with the sprinters, it's getting him to two hundred, hundred and fifty meters to go in the best position, and then he, you know, finishes it off. Or if it's like a GC guy, which I am, is is you know protecting them all day and getting them into the final climb and supporting them that way. What's, so,
1: what's GC stand for?
2: Sorry, general classification. So the overall. So like the yellow jersey and of the France.
1: So you're you're the boss.
2: I am the boss. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you get the yellow jersey what does the rest of your team get
2: i gave them a yellow jersey that i'd won they're happy with that what, get this, get what do you
1: mean giant? you gave them your yellow jersey
2: so i took the yellow jersey on stage 11 so then every day i got another one plus a long sleeve and a, a gilet with, with no sleeves so i accumulated quite a few by the end so ah, right, i gave okay. the boys the yellow jersey okay. plus you give them a bit of a, a bonus as well plus a few good nights out as well
0: the amount of money that you win, let's say you, in Garrett's case, you win the Tour de France. You don't keep all the money that you win. You split it with the rest of the team on the basis that you couldn't have won it without the
1: team. But do you like do you control that? Do you go look? You're only getting, you're only getting hundred quid, <laughs> and you're you're only getting seventy because I know that you fucking you didn't pull your weight on that one, and you're definitely only getting fifty because I saw you stop early for a kebab. Like, is, are you <laughs> in charge of the split, or is that like done beforehand?
2: No, that, that's that's agreed beforehand. So basically, the prize money is twenty percent goes to the staff, and then the eighty percent gets split between all the riders at the race. Sometimes there's a bit of debate, or oh, you know, this guy didn't finish, or so maybe he should only get seventeen stages worth. But we just give him the twenty-one stages. It makes it less complicated. But then it comes to bonuses, and then I can kind of—that's what I just give them personally. So it's up to me. But that's just the best way around it. Basically, gets split between everyone. It's like four hundred fifty thousand euro for winning the Tour de France. It should be a lot more, I reckon. But why
1: that's a lot of money.
2: Oh, yeah, it is. But take off 20% and then split that between eight, it's not so much left, really, is it?
1: No, but I think you should be less generous with splitting it with the team. Like, you're the, one, you're the one who won, yeah, they put in some work, but you know, they had some good experience, and you could just throw them a couple of drinks on the night out. <laughs> um, and go like if they don't like it, you'll get someone else that loves you, They're, they'll come in and do it for you, won't they? But,
0: <laughs> What was your bonus for winning the World Cup semi-final in 2019?
1: I don't think there was one.
0: If you'd won the final, yeah, what would you have got? Retirement. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I don't know. A considerable amount, I reckon. I don't know, 100? And
0: 150? would everyone in the squad have got the same or would you got more if you started?
1: Everyone in the 31 would have got the same. So it used to be, um, so like for tours summer tours and stuff like that you it was done on the match day 23 and it would be split between them and then if you had a traveling reserve or two they'd get half a match fee each and then the 33 man squad the others that aren't in the actual match day they just get a training fee but on tours now they just pool all the money together and it's a flat fee for all the 40 man squad it's just split between which kind of makes sense but then you kind of go there's probably There might be at least eight or nine players that do all the training sessions, play all the games, all the media commitments, and then there might be some other guy, some third choice, just holds a pad <laughs> and uh, walks around with a cricket bat, just asking boys to play cricket in the corridors every now and then, getting exactly the same. And you go, well, is that fair? Well, maybe, because maybe that contribution of morale boosting contributed to... Such and such, being so calm, kicking the goal, maybe. I don't know. I don't think it does, but maybe. Um, I want to talk about uh, chafing, if that's all right. Yeah. Because uh, I I often have that as an issue in my life, just walking around the place. I've got two really fat thighs that just constantly rub on my undercarriage. And I recently discovered some boxers slash briefs called Step One. And they are made of 97% bamboo. Really? Yeah, 97%. I don't know what the other 3% are. And no, it's not what Tom thought they were earlier. Like, aren't they really uncomfortable and scratchy? Because they're made of bamboo. That's not what... Like, what were you thinking? That they're just made out of... They're wood.
0: 97% wood.
1: That's not what I meant. Like, they've obviously crushed it. So (laughs) it's not... It's soft. Do you want to feel it?
0: No. Okay.
1: Has it made a difference to your chafing? I haven't chafed since seriously honestly it is so so soft so soft support not a lot to support there so there's no issues (laughs) Um, but if there was there would be maximal support but what i want to know is how do you stop chafe do you do the classic vas talc or have you got something special to stop (laughs) chafeage
2: um we got chamois cream which is basically because we got a chamois in our shorts like a little padded well chamois yeah um, you can put cream on that. Uh, but I tend not to really because I got a bit of a granite gooch. Um, <laughs> I can put up with quite a lot down there. Um, I don't really get saddle sores either. Like some guys get these big, like, spotty sores down there, which they're squeezing and pus is going everywhere. Oh, for
0: fuck's um, sake!
1: My favourite. Do you watch Doctor Pimple Popper? What? No. Oh, <laughs> mate, yeah. Get on Instagram. Google. I mean, search Doctor Pimple Popper. It's fucking phenomenal if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> so you don't, you've got a granite gooch. You don't get saddle stores, and you don't chafe.
2: I do have a bit of chafing sometimes, yeah. Like sometimes I just get a real a clean cut as well, which is that's the worst. Oh. It, like sticks to your chamois almost. You get out the saddle and it can come away from the chamois sometimes, and that's well, that's not nice. Do you think that's, but, um, that's
1: been uh, some contributing factors to your success? Yeah. A granite gooch. um, If you want to win the Tour de France, you need a
0: granite gooch. Well, you you joked some of the saddle sores. Was there one that Chris Froome had a few years ago? That maybe it was during the Giro, actually, which in twenty eighteen, which he didn't ride. But I heard that it was the size of a two pence piece. This big saw, on his, and it just every day got worse and worse.
2: Yeah, I I can't say I um, looked into it that much, but he was on the back of the bus from what the boys were saying most days, and the doc was there, you know, down there just I don't know what he was doing, but treating it. It's not the nicest. It's you know, it's just uncomfortable. He's constantly changing saddles and his position to try and make it comfier. But yeah, it's just like well yeah, a big sword down there, which is constantly sitting on, so it's not ideal. But
1: what's the mo- what's the most painful thing that's happened to you on a bike? If you've got a granite gooch, you don't get saddle sores really. Surely hmm. there's been accidents or something that's happened to you that you've gone fucking hell, I'm not sure about this.
2: My pelvis isn't made of granite really. That's that's broke a few times. So. During the tour in 2013, I crashed, like flipped over my handlebars, landed on my the back of my pelvis and that cracked it. And basically I continued to race because the doctor said it wasn't going to get any worse by riding. It was just if I could put up with the pain and that was kind of a bit of a challenge almost. Um, so I continued and I couldn't get out of the saddle for the first sort of three or four days. It was just terrible, like excruciating night. But Every day I was seeing the physio before and after the stage and it was getting better slowly. And, you know, I was making progress. I was like, oh, I got to keep going, you know, and kind of getting to the end of every day and it was feeling slightly better. So just kept going and ended up completing the the whole race then. And um, that was the most pain I've been in. But I've had quite a few accidents, really. Like I've had my scaphoid done, obviously just done my shoulder, had the collarbone, still got the plate in there. Done my pelvis three times now in different places. So, yeah, I've had my fair share. I've had my spleen taken out as well. That was quite a bad one. Is that for Um, marginal gains? (laughs) (laughs) It did work out well in the end, yeah, a bit lighter. But (laughs) I ruptured it in in Sydney, 2005, and uh, I was British cycling at the time. Dave Brailsford was my boss at the time there as well. He flew my mum, my dad and my brother out when I was in intensive care. But once I was okay, you know, it looked like I was, well, I was fine. My dad and my brother had a whale of a time, free holiday down there, down on Bondi Beach, and they were loving it. <laughs> so worked out for everyone in the
0: end. But imagine, rather than when you're going 70 miles an hour down the motorway and you've got your nice polo, what colour your polo? Lime green?
1: No, it's black, Bl- midnight, midnight black.
0: Midnight black polo going down the motorway at 70 miles an hour. Imagine going down a mountainside on a bike in nothing but Lycra, and your tyres are maybe 25 mil wide, and you're going 60 miles an hour. What? You go that
1: fast?
2: So we work in kilometres an hour, but yeah, I think the fastest I've probably seen is 105 k an hour, which I think is just over 60.
1: What the fuck? How do you go that fast? I thought the hills, I thought, first of all, I thought it was uphill. <laughs> I thought it <something> was <laughs> uphill. And then second of all, I thought the bits that were downhill were like really tight chicanes. Ooh. Yeah? They're corners, yeah? Not really, no. What's a
0: chicane? It's like a double, one one way, then one the other. So it's a double corner. Sort of, <laughs> yeah.
1: So I thought they're really tight. So how are you doing, sixty-five miles an hour down a chicane? I just love
0: that. So yeah, obviously some of them are
2: in the tour, but in Switzerland there's a lot of big, fast, straight, you know, good tarmac roads, and yeah, you can hit some pretty crazy speeds down there. And at the time you don't, you just, well, you got to do it, haven't you? But you don't really think about it. You're just in the doing what you do. But then when you see your Garmin, your computer afterwards, it tells you, you know, all your statistics from the day, so to speak, and you see speeds like that. It is a bit like, poh. If you just hit a little stone or something, and you know, your tire blows out, or or just other people around you, like I've had so many crashes where people have just crashed in front of me or around me and just taken me out. Part of the job, isn't it? Always say it's like a batsman losing his wicket. You know, it's always going to happen. You're always going to crash. You've got to be lucky if you don't break someone, really. No, that's
1: not that's not the same. If a batsman loses his his wicket, he doesn't broke break his arm. <laughs> no, like, there's not no, a but... risk. There's not a risk of life. In fact, there's a small risk of life. In case the ball like bounces up and hits him in the head, it's a very, very small risk of life, though, because of all the padding, etc. You are going down a hill at sixty-five miles an hour with like light crew, and why aren't you wearing more pads?
2: Well, it's just heavier then, though, isn't it? And like in the tour, it's pretty hot, so
1: I struggle to get on my moped forty-nine uh, cc. Um, I struggle with the fear at it tipping twenty-seven, twenty-eight miles an hour, and you are on a bike at sixty-five miles an hour. You're an adrenaline junkie. Have you always been like one of that? You must be. Growing up, were you like, I'm just a fucking nutter?
2: Yeah, I never thought it, but yeah, when you look back, some of the stupid stuff you do, and just like now, yeah, you just don't think about the real dangers of it, really. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to do it. But I can, I, I can see it. In my son now, he's two. He's just turned like, well he must be two in a few months. But I can kind of see that in him, or well, maybe all kids are like that. I don't know. I've only got one, but he's just like, he's just bonkers. He's jumping off stuff and. Yeah, head first down, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> so maybe that's from me or maybe that's just two-year-old kids. I don't know, but...
0: I'm going to give you another option here, Joe. So it doesn't have to be an apocalyptic crash where, as Garrett has done, you might overshoot a corner, uh disappear down a mountainside, then look up and see your bike hanging out of a tree. I'm going to give you a more minor but still horrendous situation called road rash. Road rash? Yeah, road rash is bad
2: because it's just... Just take the top level of skin off, basically. It's like a burn, almost, and... um obviously on the road it's a lot dirtier there's a lot of like when you carry on and you do another 100k or something and you're getting all an grit and muck in it so you get on the bus and you have to really scrub it we've got these little scourer things which are like a little hedgehog really made of plastic spikes and you just there you've got to scrub it and then you've got the other side which is like a sponge iodine sponge and you're doing that yeah the whole shower tray is full of blood and iodine but that's kind of okay because you've still got the adrenaline. The worst is the next day. When you go to bed, you do the next stage and then you're in the shower again and then you get the water on it again. You have to change your dressings and that's that's just not nice. yeah.
1: Not overly appealing. Um, if there's any listeners out there thinking, oh, yeah, I want to get into cycling. I want that yellow jersey. Uh, well, learn to scrub your burns off with a fucking <laughs> spiky plastic brush and then douse it in iodine, which stings like fuck. Okay, probably give that a miss. I'll go be a shelf stacker instead, you know. That'll be less burns. Fuck no, I can't do that, mate. Like, I've got cuts on my knees at the minute from playing on those shitty, fucking plastic, pl- <laughs> shitty fucking plastic pitches, eh? Huh? <laughs> shitty fucking plastic pitches. And I hate doing that, let alone falling off your bike and then burning yourself like that. Oh god. So, how long would you say you're you're riding for? On the Tour de France, what are the stages? How, how long does it take to do each stage?
2: Well, when I won, it was 81 hours. I don't know how I remember that, but I just remember it was 81 hours and 30-odd minutes over the three weeks. So, But every day, you're on the bike for around six hours. So.
1: Six hours on a bike? That's a lot of time. Are you go in six hours without going to the toilet?
2: No, no, no. We, we, we can go. like In, in a race, you, we learn to do it off the bike. It takes a bit of trial and error. Right. Uh, it took me a... <laughs> you just do it in your pants? <laughs> no, no, no. You get it out, obviously. You flop him out. So you kind of, you have to get off the saddle, so you kind of stood up on the pedals. Um, have you seen a pair of bib shorts you must have? Like, So you've got your shorts and then the bibs come over your shoulders. Yeah. So you need to pull that down, yeah, get your, or get it out, your manhood, however you want to call it, your penis. <laughs> and then
1: <laughs> Whatever you want to call it, I'll just call it by its anatomical name.
2: <laughs> and um, yeah, you just got, the main, the key thing is just relaxing, but it's quite hard when you go in like 25k an hour and sometimes, you know, spectators are there and you're kind of like, yeah, it can be a bit... What are you pissing into? Just on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> just as you're moving along.
1: Are you allowed to piss in public in France?
2: Uh, not really,
0: but you, you try to do it in a quiet moment. So
1: it's an arrestable offence? Nobody
2: has been arrested, but there's time for that.
0: There's another technique as well, Joe. Uh, go right, if you can talk, Joe, through the um, what you might call the, the rolled-up short technique for those who can't go over the top of the bib shorts.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think this is. I haven't actually ever seen this, so uh-huh. I don't know if it's just you that does it's this.
1: Because he <laughs> he's got the power, powerful piece, has he? He can go over the bib <laughs> of the. Yeah, I get it. It's fine.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I guess some people might roll up their shorts and just. Is
0: that what yeah, you do, Tom? Is bit... that
1: your is that your go to? All Why would you ever, What? hang on, do you piss in your garage? Do you do it when you're sat on your what bike or whatever <laughs> bike you've
0: got? <can't? laughs> remember doing Zwift. There's no, I mean, you've got to remember I'm not doing five, six hour stints as well, uh, so I can just get off, So uh, oh, I'm not racing. Fair, fair. Um, but there's some riders who, who haven't got the technique, aren't they, Geraint? So uh, Chris Froome has won four Tour de France. Uh, he's won the Giro d'Italia, he's won the Vuelta. So he's won the big three maybe the greatest GC rider of the last 10 years, but did he have a few issues with some of those those more intrinsic bike skills?
2: Yeah, he was always, you go out training with him and he if he's on the inside, you know, normally you ride quite close to the curb with cars and stuff, you know, you don't want to be in the middle of the road. And he can just be like pushing you right out into the centre, he's, he's quite wobbly, you know, he's got his head down a lot, he doesn't see stuff, that he, he doesn't point it out, so if you're riding behind him, you might just like last minute see a stone and just flick around it and then suddenly you smash into this stone and you've got a puncher or worse you end up on your ass like you come into it late and so he doesn't have those sort of say basic skills but oh yeah he doesn't have basic skills
1: he doesn't <laughs> he won't be listening to this will he um <laughs> not many people will i'm afraid um uh what what do you mean he did you just describe him one of the greatest gc riders of all time and his fellow colleague has just described him as not having the basic skills.
2: <laughs> yeah, basic skills might be a bit harsh, but um, he's not in the top 50%, though, I'd say. Yeah, what's, his,
1: uh, what's his pissing technique, though? Is he the rolled-up shorts or over the bib?
2: I think he's over the bib. I'm not sure he's... He might have mastered it by now, but he, he
0: couldn't do it for so long.
1: I can't, I can't get my head around this. Mid-cycle, you're just flopping your cock out and having a piss.
0: Are you angling the hips, G, a little bit here? You're not just going straight onto your own ankles, are you? No, no, you're kind of like you know to the side almost, and
2: you do get a bit of splashback sometimes. Well, you hit your leg on the way down.
1: Surely it'd be more efficient to just sit in your own piss, no?
2: In a terrible day, you would, yeah, yeah. I've done it a few times for sure.
1: Yeah, but like if yeah, if it's a really shit day, like yeah, like, I told you about that one. Beer it's away we played. Were you pissed on the pitch? The European Cup one night, and it was fucking freezing. It was pissing it down. There was puddles like this big, oh God, I'm talking about like three or four inches deep and uh, it was freezing and there was a 22 dropout and I've turned to our second row, Ollie Cone. We were like, oh God, it's so cold. Oh up. Yeah, just get on with it. And we, he's staring at me weird and I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm having a piss. And I went, what? He went, yeah, I'm having a piss. And then I just paused and looked back at him intensely and... Just said, so am I. And just stood there, <laughs> just stood there for like thirty, thirty-five seconds, just pissing, not like whilst maintaining eye contact, and it really warmed us up, and and that made a difference to us that night. And I guess being on the bike on a really shit cold stage, you might just treat yourself and go, fuck it, I'm going to sit on my own piss for this it's, this stage.
2: Yeah, and you feel so much better for it, don't you? Afterwards,
1: I. Still trying to get my head around this all. This is confusing. I thought it was just get on the bike and ride. Right, let's have an
0: ad break. Time to thank our official sponsors on Patreon. This week, they include the following. Kelsey Breeze, it's Craig Keller. The durable Robert Giroux. Half pint, Jerry Larry, He's not dead, it's James Dean. Eric the Windy Rhino. All is fair in love and war. It's Matthew Fares. Becky Rollable Dyson. The other Becky. The notorious B.E.G. It is Becky Eaton Garrett. The Swindler. Josh Swindles. The Bounty Hunter. Alistair Boundy. Greg the Eagle Edwards. The Locksmith. Jordan Blaylock. The Samurai Sam Williams. Proud Mary. And on my first whistle, it's Tom Anderson. To become an official sponsor just like them, go to patreon.com. Forward slash Joe Marla show and grow the show today.
1: Right, that break was very much needed, Garant, What else can you do whilst you're peddling? Then you get dressed or something like that.
2: That's a that's a simple technique. Although one guy, right, he was a new guy in the team, dead young, and he had he was trying to get his rain jacket on, and it had gone like in his front wheel, like with his brake, and he pulled it, and like it, it was like slowing him down quite a lot. like, oh, don't pull it, don't pull it, just stop, you know break and he was like "Nah, i'll be all right gave it one of those massive yanked it basically just stopped him dead flipped over the bars and he looked like mike tyson then that <laughs> evening when we saw him but yeah
1: all right so you've you can put you can piss yourself which is a technique you can not piss yourself but stand up and flop your cock out and get a bit of splash back or you can roll up your shorts which is apparently just the technique tom does in his garage <laughs> um you can put your raincoat on. What other tricks do you need to master whilst you're on the bike? Then, like awkward situations that you might go, oh fuck. What about eating? Do you eat? A, do you eat seven hundred grams of rice whilst you're riding?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, we do eat quite a lot of rice. We got like we got pockets in our jerseys. We've got three pockets in our back, and we got yeah full of food. So you get them out. What sort of food? Them. What sort
1: of food are we talking?
2: So it's like we call them rice cakes, but it's not like the dried circular rice cakes. It's um, they make them. Well, normal rice. I don't even know how they make them, to be honest. Uh, There's a bit of Philadelphia in there. There's a bit of like honey, or they sweeten it up with certain different stuff. But it's like a block, it's a square block of rice, basically, that we have. Then we have our gels and our bars and all that stuff, which, you know, our nutrition sponsor does for us. But we have radios. Radios sometimes might not work. So they're, they're in a pocket that's in your bib short. So you've got your jersey over the top. So you might have to take your jersey off, get your radio out, play with it, do whatever needs doing get that back in, get your jersey back on. Or sometimes you might have a hat on underneath your helmet. You've got to take your helmet off or your, your glasses, get rid of that. Simple stuff for us, I guess. But, yeah, you've got to be able to undress and that pretty quickly while still in the, on the move. Because if you stop, suddenly you're two minutes behind straight away. That's why you try to do everything on the move.
1: What about the actual equipment that you use? And like, I just picture in your house as you've got 20 bikes, all stored in your <laughs> garage, all different colours, all different... Like modifications to it, and you're like, oh, I like this one today, or oh, I like that. Like rugby players have got different boots. Like they're, they're the go-to, or twenty twenty pairs of different boots. I fancy them ones. There. Have you got a shit ton of bikes?
2: Uh, not really, to be honest. We all give ours back every year. For the last fifteen years, I've I haven't owned a bike. Basically, like I have a use of six bikes at a time, but they all go back to the team. If I was to just stop now, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a bike to ride.
1: <laughs> that is fucking ludicrous. One of the top riders in the world, have I used the right thing? He's not a cyclist, is he? Correct, he's a rider. He's a rider. Why don't they like being called cyclists?
0: It was more when Steve was writing about uh, about about cyclists, he was referring to Garant as if he was popping to the shops for 15 minutes <laughs> with his, to fill his <laughs> panniers. <laughs> so riders.
1: Um, one of the top riders in the world hasn't got his own bike. Is that because, like... You're not trusted with it costing so much. Is it costed? Does it cost a lot?
2: Yeah, they cost a lot. We got new bikes now, which are about twelve thousand um, pound a piece. Yeah, 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 for one bike. Yeah, and we've got a training bike, two race bikes, or three plus a time trial bike and a spare time trial bike. So, yeah, six bikes and yeah, easily twelve grand a
1: piece. That's fucking obscene. What are you getting for twelve? What's it made out of? Like gold?
2: I know we were talking about this the other day. Like. It's Obviously, a lot of technology to develop it, but you know, it's just a bit of carbon and um,
1: it's a bit of carbon and a couple of wheels. you 12 grand, mate. That's a deposit.
0: The weird thing is, Joe, as well, the less the bike weighs, to pretty much the less there is of it, the more expensive it'll be. No,
1: nah. no, nah. someone there, whoever's behind that is one of the greatest con, <laughs> con- artists going. How's the how's come up with that? Less is more,
0: right? Go talk us through even before we start talking about cyclist body shapes, we need to talk about tan lines. Do we? <laughs> well, I'll have tan lines on my arms and legs pretty much most of the year. As soon as they
2: see the sun, they'll be back straight away, you know? So, yeah, that's kind of weird because you forget. And then you go down to the beach. We went to Dubai in the off-season, rock over the beach, and then you've got these short shorts on. And you're like, oh, my... They've got shaved legs, got a big brown tan line here. My body as well. Like, I've got a big scar down the middle where I had my spleen out. And I've got, like, long... Gloves, basically. Uh, <laughs> Long mahogany gloves. Arm, so, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not the best look. And then some guys. Luckily for me, I don't. But some guys get the old strap lines from their helmet and everything. Big panda eye glasses. So, yeah, it's not it's not a look for for the beach everyday life. That's for sure.
1: You want to get on the beds, boy. You want to get the beds on, boy. boy. You know. <laughs> now this might be slightly controversial and also very unprepped. Um, but what do you say to people that? don't know cycling that well but they know the headlines that your sport have had in the past and their response to when cycling's brought up they go well it's fucking full of drug cheats anyway so what's the point in watching it because you know it's not really that fair because it's littered with with doping and and drug cheats is that unfair really unfair or is it actually you know still going on?
2: Oh, at the moment, it's totally unfair, I think. But you can see why they have that attitude as well, you know, from the whole Armstrong era, that sort of era. But it's just a tough one, isn't it? Because we're paying the price for, for everything they did. And to be honest, this the whole Armstrong thing was great for the sport in a weird way because it did clean it up almost from there. There's always going to be people that try to cheat, aren't they? No matter what walk of life you're in, you know, whether it's, I don't know, someone on uh, in a bank or, you know, in, working local post office, whatever, or, or, in a, or a rugby
0: sport, club, everyone's going to try and, a rugby club faking a, serious mouth injury, yeah exactly, so,
1: why, do, why didn't you use the other rugby club, because you, you've you never played for the other rugby club, no, but they fucking ruined the sport, didn't they, fuck <laughs> <laughs> them,
2: um, so yeah, we're, we're definitely paying that price, but I guess all we got to do, is just do it the best way we can, and just, that's it isn't it, like, there's not much else you can say to them really, like, because whatever defence you try to come up with, like they'll just, Still hate you for it. So does that mean a lot of hate, your, to be fair.
1: your drug testing regime is through the roof? How often are you getting tested each year?
2: In race a lot because especially if you're leading the race, you get tested every day. And then we obviously, obviously on the whereabouts system where every quarter we get tested at least on average probably twice, but in the run up to like during the season, the height of the season at least three or four times, once a month probably, just randomly. So there's a lot of that. But then, you know, that's that's the other thing like Armstrong said all the time, wasn't it? I've done so many tests and I've been negative, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, people will just pull you up on that as well. So it's a tough one, but it's just one you... It's just part of the... The French just hated us, though. I think because we dominated their their sport in their, their race for so long. But as soon as Froomey left and we changed sponsor, they love us again now. <laughs> so <laughs> what's, what's maybe it's just the,
1: what's, what's the beef with Froomey? Why,
2: why? He was a serial winner. And then he did have, in 18, actually, had a Salbutamol thing, which... He had too many puffs or something and there was a limit and he was over and but he was able to prove what happened and stuff and he could continue racing but that just gave them more, you know, fuel on the fire to hate him basically. So
0: Joe, you know when you're playing rugby and let's say there's uh, either a line out or there is a scrum quite close at the touchlines, can you hear what the spectators are saying? Yeah, yeah. Do you hear insults? Let's say you were playing in Cardiff. Yeah, fair, fair amount. Yeah. Fair amount. What sort of stuff? Um,
1: there'll they'll always be um, jibes back to 2016 with me and Samson Lee. More recently, there'll be jibes back to me and Big Al. Or anything, just anything to do with being English in general, or a complete and utter helmet in general. <laughs> and I actually really enjoy it. It's part of the sort of back and forth enjoyment, banter sort of thing with them that I really enjoy. It's part of the entertainment of it um So I yeah you know, I I like it
0: for you Geraint. If you're riding up Alpe d'Huez, the spectators are right there in front of you, and they're only parting right at the last minute as you, as you guys approach them.
2: Yeah, and I I love all that to be honest. It's like you know what I've watched on the TV since I was a kid, and just wanting to to experience that. And then when I was in the front of the tour in the yellow jersey up Alpe d'Huez, and that that was by far the, the most amazing day I've had on the bike. But then. That very same day, one of the spectators got too close and took someone out that was in the lead group near Belize. He's, he's, I wouldn't say he's a mate. I don't particularly like him, so I wasn't too bothered. But um, <laughs> it's just mad, really, like how they can just affect the race. Like It's been numerous times when spectators have taken out a cyclist. or but That's also what makes it so good, because you know, they can go up and spend two days on the mountain, drinking, sleeping up there in a tent, and then just enjoy the racing.
1: Has there ever been a moment? Have you seen Big Daddy with Adam Sandler?
2: Yeah, I think I have, actually. You know,
1: like when he's teaching his son to do fun shit down the park and there's these rollerbladers coming down chicanes um, <laughs> on this thing and he's like, to his son, he's like, oh, one of my favourite things to do is this and he just picks up a big stick and he lobs it on the path last minute for the rollerbladers to go over arse over tit. Is there any supporters that have ever done that or, or do that? Because I'd definitely like to do that.
2: <laughs> there's been a lot of protests in France, They love a protest, don't they? So they've, like, blocked roads and hay bales and stuff.
0: We got gassed, actually. What for? Yeah, when I won. There's always a farmer's protest at the tour. And... But the farmers... What happened is the farmers had blocked the road, Joe. And so the riot police came in to clear the bales and the protesters. (laughs) And got the pepper spray out. And forgetting that, A, they were outdoors and, B, it was quite windy... And then just filled the air with pepper spray as the race came through, so all <laughs> the riders are blinded.
2: Literally, like thirty seconds before we got there, so we all stopped, and then we're all just like, yeah, all spraying water in our eyes and stuff, and yeah, yeah. But at least
1: you were all blinded. You know, it's a level playing field there. At least you're all fucking in agony.
2: <laughs> yeah, true, true. There's been tacks and stuff. People have chucked stuff to you know punches and stuff, but they're within or less than a metre to us, you know, shouting. You can smell the beer on their breath a lot of the time, and it's just insane. But that gives you a massive buzz. But at the same time, as I say, as long as they don't touch you um, and affect the race. And, you know, guys run alongside you, you know, in their mankinis with flags and all this, and quite easily trip up, and that can go on your wheel or something. So it is pretty mad, especially when they've had, you know, 10 pints before. But it is great, though, to ride through that.
1: Right, so we've got the different roles here now. On the on the riding team We've got domestiques Why don't you just call them domestiques? French sport Fair So you've got domestiques Then you've got the climber Why is it, that not climbeur <laughs> If it's a French sport Why is it not climbeur That's a good point Okay you got the road captain Or captain Capitan Rod 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 The capitani The sprinter The lead out man Or the lead out man Is it lead out? Yes, yes. And the GC contender. So there's six different roles, is there in your team?
2: Yeah, simplified. Yeah.
1: What roles are me and Tom playing in that?
2: <laughs> well, I think
0: you'd be the sprinter. You're the power man. Yeah. I
1: think you've really underestimated my abilities
0: here. We're assuming that you've, you're a cyclist now. Otherwise,
1: what do you mean? No, no. Like, we're, like we're as we are. With Ooh. the shape we are, with the type muscle fiber type we are. He's yeah. as old as he is. <laughs> we are who we are. What. But we had and we last minute you've had two dropouts, (laughs) and there's only two people left in the world it's me and Tom. What role am I playing, and what role is Tom playing?
2: Oh, well, well, yeah, you'd definitely be a a domestique then, you know, getting food from the car,
0: getting water for us. Um,
1: is that what a domestique is really?
0: Comes from the French word for servant, really? They have to go back to the team car as you're going on the race. Let's say Geraint is a GC contender, so I'm on my bike.
1: You're on your bike. go back to the team car.
0: So Geraint, let's say, for example, Geraint, let's imagine that um, Joe has stuck with the main peloton for a substantial portion of a stage. You are peckish and thirsty. What would you say to Joe? Oh, Joe, do you mind just going back to the car and getting me a couple of rice cakes, please, mate?
1: Do you want any fish with that?
2: <laughs> no just the rice okay I'll, I'll do maybe a gel as well okay
1: yeah yes sir do I have to say sir
2: I prefer it you don't have to but oh, okay can... uh,
1: yes sir sir but I'll be back in a minute <laughs> so then I brake or do I turn around what do I do
2: oh you brake slow softly okay. you don't want to take out the guys behind you but okay. yeah you stick your arm in the air so then there's like a commissaire, we call them like a referee he'll see you with your arm in the air then he'll say on race radio Joe Marler team whatever wants his car your, tar- your car will come up. You'll hand you the stuff through the window. You'll grab it and then you will ride back up to me and give it to me. I'll say thank you very much. And um...
1: then what do I do?
2: Then you can ride on the front for a bit. Just break the wind for me, so I don't have to ride. You know. Let's just sort of roll that. <laughs> it might start raining as well, so I'll need my jacket. So you probably have to go back for the- to the car to get that as well.
1: You no you, you just said to me that's in your back pocket and you can put it on yourself. You lazy fuck.
2: Nah, not not racing though. I'll leave it in the car because it's less weight, so you can get it for me.
1: Sure, go get the umbrella as well whilst I'm at it? <laughs>
2: just the jacket will do, thanks. Yeah. Okay, thanks. I'll be back in a But then a once it stops, I'll give you the jacket back then. I'll take it off once it stops raining and give it back to you and then you can take it back to the car for me.
1: How many domestiques do you have? Uh,
2: generally teams made up of eight uh, in the tour. For that role, two, maybe three.
1: And literally their job is to serve, as in break the wind, uh, go back and get your shit and just ride alongside you. And that's it? Yeah, pretty much.
2: If if I'm leading the race, you'll actually have to ride on the front of the peloton and make sure the breakaway doesn't go too far away. So you need to keep them at three minutes, roughly.
1: What's the peloton? I thought that was this fucking magic bike every fucker seems to be sitting (laughs) on at the moment. And there's a screen and shit. (laughs) Jump on the peloton! Burn some calories! What's the peloton? Is that a group of people together? It's like the main
2: bunch, yeah, where, where the majority of riders are. Traditionally, well not traditionally, it just happens. When you're leading the race, you have to take control of that race. So if... There's a breakaway. Your team is the first to ride. So you need to make sure that breakaway doesn't get 10, 20 minutes up the road. You need to keep them within just say 3 minutes. So we have to control them. We have to ride at a pace to stop them going any further away, and you also have to serve me at the same time. So there's a, and not just me, maybe one of the other guys as well. Like there's a there's a climber who's also very important to me. You probably have to serve
1: him as well. What's the climber do? Does Does I'm just fucking absolutely bamboozled by this sport. Does he have to get off and go up the mountain or something?
2: The climber just has to save himself as well for the final climb of the day because he needs to be really good for me as well.
1: What do you mean the climber? Tom,
2: you can have that role if you want.
1: How? What's the fucking hell? Fuck me, Dad. You're racing. You're the boss. You're the GC. Yeah? Yeah. Right, what's this climber doing for you? What's Tom the climber going to do for you?
2: There's quite a lot of climbs in the race, but mountain top finishes, there'll be four maybe plus a lot of uh, maybe two other real hard mountain days. So on those days, Tom needs to be there with me until the very death of the race, really, maybe 3, 4K to go. So he's vital to me. So kind of the domestiques will help him as well.
1: Okay, so we've got the domestique, we've got the climber. Who's the road captain? Is he in charge of the tactics?
2: Yeah, he basically makes calls on the road. He could be a domestique or a climber, really, just an experienced guy who, you know, we all trust. He'd chat to me a bit on how I feel and what we want to do. But um, yeah, he will make the call. So
1: Sprinter, obviously, what he, surely he's just at the end of the race and he just finishes it, no?
2: He can be quite lazy sometimes. You know, he won't do too much on the days he's not going to win, but then he'll generally win when it matters in the sprints. So he's saving himself for them.
0: Maybe I should be more of a sprinter actually there. So your, your sprinter, Joe, um, Mark Cavendish is a sprinter. Mm. You, do you think this is fair, G? The sprinters tend to be maybe more high-maintenance, slightly more explosive in character and temperament? Yeah, yeah, big egos. I'm going to play you a little video, Joe. So this is this is Mark Cavendish at the tour last mm. year in mm. 2021. Mm. We had a, He had a remarkable tour. He won four stages. He's a bit of a perfectionist, as Geraint will tell us, but just have a little look at this video and I'll play it. We might put it on our social Channels of how he reacts when he's not happy with his bike.
2: What,
1: what, why is he kicking off? What, why is he, ki- why is he kicked off like that? What's happened to his bike?
2: <laughs> What's happened? I think his bars were slightly like, I don't know if they were like a bit loose or something or not straight. But he completely lost his shit there, didn't he?
1: Fucking sort it out and then he's got to shout it on the bus. <laughs> Fucking hell. Is he like that all the time?
2: He's got a tendency to be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right,
1: okay. I want a little bit more on the personalities then. End of all. So you've worked your tits off all year round. You're exhausted. Surely there's got to be something like in any sport, a big old end of season piss up.
2: Yeah, in Paris is always a big party. Yeah,
1: right. Out of the people in your team or in other teams, like who's the ones that go hard, that are like all nighters, and who's the ones that you're like, oh my god, because like, you've obviously not drunk. Do you drink? I'm presuming you don't drink through the season because that can affect weight, et cetera, All year round.
2: Yeah, so we don't drink. We'll have a drink over Christmas, but other than that, we won't drink till the tour, pretty much. And um, it's it's a cheap night, put it that way. Um, <laughs> but like. Luke Rowe, who we've already mentioned, I've grew up with him. He's from Wales as well, and he's he's always there for a for a big night out. Some of the other guys, maybe you know, the French or Spanish, Italians, like they're a bit more sort of subdued with it. But then after a few, they just go wild as well. So they're like seventeen year olds when they first go out, you know. Um, <laughs> well, everyone drinks a lot for them, but that's maybe only four or five bottles of beer, you know. So yes, yeah, the food that everyone just goes nuts on—burgers, pizzas, whatever. Like you go from yeah 30-odd hours a week eating fish and salads and stuff when you're training and then obviously all the rice in the race, to doing nothing and, and eating all that junk. You, you put it on pretty quick.
1: Oh, I have that crave all year round. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> that's my that's my I had a Domino's last night. Did Fucking you? Hell, yeah. I thought I'd treat myself because I'd painted half the lounge. So I went, oh, that's been a tough day today. Took all of like an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> thought I'd treat myself to a nice dominoes and Daisy was like, What are you doing? I went, I'm a grown man. I'll fucking do what I want actually. She went, Can I have a slice? I said, Yeah, of course you can. No worries.
0: <laughs> what flavour did you
1: go for? Uh chicken barbecue, something with a load of gherkins and jalapenos on. Any sides? Yeah, that garlic dip it comes with every pizza. Does it? Do you you never had a domino's Not for a long time. You're so old, man. <laughs> Bradley Wiggins.
2: Yeah. What's he like? I'm sure he's bipolar. He's two personalities, really. When he was racing, anyway, he might change a bit now. He could be the life and soul of the party at the dinner table, or he can just be sat there with a cap on and just not say a word, and everyone will just be dead quiet. And, yeah, he can affect the mood big time. But uh, generally, he's, he's, he's a really good guy. I've known him since, what, 2004 or so now, so a long time. You know how he is, but... He can be hard work, but he's, uh, when he's on form, like his, his impressions and stuff and his jokes and all this and that, is, uh, his quality to be around.
1: And we've seen out what Mark Cavendish is like. He can lose his shit pretty easily. I quite like the look of Mark Cavendish, actually. Um, what other big names across cycling are there? Are there like any big French or Italian riders that you, you respect or dislike?
2: Well, I guess Ala Philippe is the big French hero at the moment. He's world champion, double world champion. He's a really nice guy, though, but apparently he he likes a beer or two. There's some good stories about him getting thrown out of training camp and all sorts in December. But yeah, back in the day, there was definitely a few. Cipollini, who was a sprinter, a big Italian sprinter, he'd come out with all sorts of different outfits, like Lycra outfits now. Like he did one one time trial in a, in a muscle suit. So, or And he would just control the race. He'd say, No, you're not attacking today. Like he'd go, if someone guy was attacking, he'd sprint after him and be like, No, you don't go. We go easy. And you just control the whole race, basically. So there's no characters like that anymore, unfortunately.
1: I think I might. I might. In fact, no, I'm not. I've got a bike, but it doesn't go anywhere. It's the one that stays in the garage. Is it? Got a load of bird poo on it. <laughs> um, but I think I'm going to have to clean it off
0: now. I'm get fi- yourself involved.
1: Yeah, but I don't think I can drop myself down to 73 kilos.
0: One leg. i okay, get
2: on the track.
1: I can't run either, mate. <laughs>
2: Velodrome, I mean, sorry.
1: Oh. What, what the fuck pure power no there's none of that in me whatsoever <laughs> okay, right, I'm not going to keep you anymore thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us mate it's been great
2: pleasure thanks for having me
1: how do you say bye and will hoil hoil hoyle, hoyle? Hoyle. steve is it hoil <laughs> hoil var val var, <laughs> valder, var. <laughs> see you hoyle. thank you so much mate
2: cheers pleasure good job on the wheel by the way I watched that
1: fuck's sake Pedro the pony
0: (laughs) I feel you had your learning face on there Joe throughout that episode
1: I had to there was quite a lot to take in there Um, cycling's one of those sports that I've never really taken much interest in mainly because I can't ride
0: although weirdly most rugby players upon retirement seem to get massively into cycling
1: yeah I'm not going to be one of them I'm just going to be getting massively overweight. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's really interesting to to hear how complicated and also the tactics that go into the tours that he does and all that. I I thought it was great. Yeah, you must have a lot of fun in the podcast you do with you?
0: Are you referring to the Garrett Thomas Cycling Club? That's that's obscene. That
1: was clearly just a normal chit chat I was having with you and a genuine question of oh you must have fun doing it not an opportunity for you to just plug your other podcast but now that you've done it it's called the what?
0: The Geraint Thomas Cycling Club, just search for it in all your usual podcast places Joe if you'd like more stories of what it's really like to be a pro bike rider. Are you finished? That's my plug voice. Right
1: who have, we, fuck it now. who have we got next week?
0: Joe we've got some theme park designers that promises to be a real roller coaster ride Joe of a show Get out, leave He's gone. He's fucking gone. Gone for good. Crowd Network. A place where you belong. Sports Social Podcast Network.